Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk. The March sales event is now on, offering low APR finance and deposit contribution across the 191 Renault range. Offer ends March 30th, so call into Blackstone Motors, Drogheda or Dundalk today to see how affordable buying a new Renault is. You're very welcome to Monday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Coming up on this afternoon's show, me, they're up into Division 1 of the National Football League's after years. We'll be talking about that. Bees in big trouble, a man with a very inventive mind and epilepsy. Two mums of children who live with it are joining us this afternoon. But first up, there's only one show in town, really, when it comes to the news on people's lips up and down the country this afternoon. Yes, Ireland against Gibraltar was a shocker. We needed something else to distract us, and boy, did we get it with the announcement that the FAI CEO, John Delaney, was to step down. But it appears it's a qualified move. I'm joined on late lunch this afternoon by the football correspondent with the Irish Times, Emmett Malone. Emmett, good afternoon to you. Hi, Jerry. Emmett, a qualified step down. Does that sum it up really at the moment? Yeah, yeah well, I'm not sure you could sum it up in less than kind of eight and a half thousand words, to be honest. Um, it's a complicated qualified step down. Nobody's entirely sure what to make of it. Um, I think uh, the plan probably from the FAI's point of view would have been to sell it in a very different way and uh, had uh, all been kind of um, all been fairly rosy in the garden, I think we would have been pulled out to Abbottstown someday and the whole thing presented as a very good news story that they were, they'd had this management review doing uh, done, they had uh, recommendations in on how to uh, restructure the senior management roles and that, you know, they were going to divide the CEO role in two and, and John was going to take on this uh, this role which involved kind of, you know, a lot of the international stuff, um, events, a lot of a lot of a lot of kind of big areas from the CEO's job, but left of the day-to-day grunt work, as uh, uh, if you if you if you kind of take it that way, um, and that would have present been presented very positively. But the circumstances weren't like that at all. Obviously, uh, they were expecting another uh, story in the Sunday papers that they um, that they felt was going to be embarrassing, and they brought it the announcement forward dramatically. Um, Eight o'clock, nine o'clock, uh, Gibraltar time after a match. Um, rushed the statement out, a uh, very positive spin on the statement, but essentially there was no other way to take it really other than he was being quite seriously demoted in that he was losing a large chunk of his responsibility as CEO. So I think on another day they'd been spinning it very positively. In the circumstances, it looks like a, a you know, a significant fall from grace. So, um, but, 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 but as you say, there are, there are qualifications to even that, you know, what we have here is a situation where 
clearly Delaney cherishes his role in UEFA. Um, the way they have done this, um, the title that he's been given, the responsibilities that he's been given, qualify him to run to retain his place on the executive committee of UEFA, which is effectively that organisation's board. That's a lucrative um, uh, gig, but it's also a very prestigious one. Um, and uh, and I think he will be happy with that. And I think a lot of people see his longer term future probably line line at UEFA, possibly this being a, a first step towards that that longer term future. It'll be interesting to see what UEFA have to say on that with time. But we leave that for another day. Here's my question to you, Emmett. Today, if your uh-huh. position as CEO is untenable, and you write about this extensively in the Irish Times today, how can you be suitable for executive vice president? Well, I, you see, that's that's it. I think that is a really key question, and I was kind of um, perplexed by that, by that, you know, and have been for some time. I mean, clearly, I guess the difference between me and the, the board of the FBI is that uh, we view, uh, you know, the tenability of of um, of uh, John's position as as CEO differently. I think that would have been part of the. As I say to you, I think that they, in their heads, the way this was planned was that it was going not going to be presented as a demotion at all, but uh, as a positive kind of reorganization of the senior management. In that situation, then, they would continue to present this as, as they always have done, that, um, that Delaney is doing a, a, a really good job and they're completely behind him. And that strikes a lot of us on the outside as remarkable. But I'll tell you what, if you're going to give anything to the board of the FAI, they've been consistent in it. No matter what he has done, no matter what incidents there have been, whatever stories there have been, whatever embarrassments there have been, they have absolutely stuck by him. And uh, there's been no outward signs whatsoever of them ever having any, uh, any uh, there being any question of them removing him, sanctioning him, Warning him, nothing. It's been a, it's been an incredible kind of ten years or so. You know, I mean, he's been on the board fifteen, but but certainly in in, in the more recent years of that, they, they've been there have been real, really kind of amazing slip ups. Things that I think would have cost um, other CEOs their job, and of course, the, you know, much of what has gone on at the FAI in the last ten years, in many ways, has uh, you know is is impossible to kind of discuss without uh, talking about the financial situation that's that's prevailed since. The um, Lansdowne Road was was redeveloped into the Aviva Stadium. The FAI had to pick up its share of the cost of that. Uh, the ten-year ticket premium scheme that they uh, launched, what they hoped um, and you know expressed huge confidence about, uh, would pay for their share of that and be money left over, um, uh, failed dismally. And instead of having you know a surplus of cash in the in the kind of you know in the years after 2011 when the stadium opened. Um, and then having a huge bonanza when those tickets were resold in 2020, as John Delaney predicted at the time, they've been struggling for cash the whole time. And uh, it's been a really, really difficult few years for them. They've uh, had they struggled to invest in the game in the way that they would have hoped. They massively restructured the underage um, uh, setup here so as to start really to kind of developing players because they realised that the opportunities for those players in England uh, to go over to top clubs and develop is, are simply drying up as, 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 as the Premier League becomes a kind of global operation. And, um, but they've been trying to do all of that without the resources to do it really well. And, uh, and that's been a tragedy for, for the game here in those years. And obviously, we all know about the League of Ireland and the lack of investment in that. And the FAI simply hasn't had the wherewithal to address those situations. And that is all rooted in a terrible miscalculation that was made by the organization's uh, chief executive. But, um, but, you know, the board has never seen fit to do anything about that.
so from what you say, uh, the board then itself uh, has played a part in all Absolutely. those incidents that you mentioned there. And, you know, this whole thing of term limits with people serving their time yeah. as CEO and in positions and on boards as well. That's all on the micro- under the microscope now, isn't it? Well, I think, yeah. So a couple of things have happened, right? In the very recent past, I think in January, the FAI finally relented and gave in to pressure from from the Minister for Sport and a great many others, uh, to, from Sport Ireland and, and uh, other organisations, and finally adopt, uh, adopted a system of term limits. Now, it's interesting that in, if you go back historically to when Desi Casey was involved in, uh, in both the FAI and UEFA, um, the FAI led the way on term limits and age limits, um, and those were adopted by UEFA as well as the FAI. And uh, a few years ago, when, uh, when a couple of... Uh, of firm uh, uh, John Delaney allies on the board of the League of Ireland were about, or, or sorry, on the FAI were about to have to retire because of the age limits that had been introduced some 20 years before. John Delaney led the way to changing those rules so that those people could run for another term of office. Um, so that's you know the kind of backward steps that we've seen o- over the last few years. Now in January that all changed. Term limits were brought back in. Uh, most of the board were given another crack at it. They're going to get a, you know, the opportunity to run for one more term, and then after that, there will be strict term limits um, uh, on how uh, you know on how long people can can uh, can run for. John Delaney wouldn't have been subject to any of that at all um, because he was an employee of the association, and and he has you know kind of fairly openly said that he didn't feel it should apply to him. But there was no plan for it to apply for him. He could have been on the board uh, for the rest of his life had had these changes that just come in there were announced over the weekend, not brought in. I think the fact that he is losing his place on the board is very, very significant. I think that is a major step forward. Uh, it's important, I think, in, you know, in, in corporate government's terms, it is generally recommended that the chief executive of an organisation is not on the board, and that is so that the board can freely discuss the kind of you know, management uh, structures and the performance of managers um, in their absence. Uh, if the person is in the room, it's very difficult um, to really kind of honestly assess that, to review it, and to uh, discuss strategies to improve things. Um, and, and, you know, really that has been an absolutely key part of why uh, John Delaney has been such a, an influential figure in, in the association over the last 15 years is because he was on the board and not many or com- comparable organisations uh, would allow that situation to develop. So, you know, some of this, some of, there is definitely, definitely positives here. Um, there have been kind of positive developments over the last while, but they're massively overdue. But in terms of the current board as it stands, there are still issues, you know, for these, these, these people to address and answers for them to give. I mean, one of the key stories here was the one on Sunday, um, the news that, um, that the board of the association was, uh, or the association itself, I guess, was paying John Delaney's rent for a prolonged period of time, €3,000 a month. Well, look, I'll tell you what, Jerry. if the Irish Times was paying my rent of €3,000 a month, <laughs> you know, if they offered to do it, I'd, I'd bite their hands off, you know, I'd take it. I'd, ha- I'd live in a mansion somewhere at three grand a month and I'd be very happy with it. And if the story came out then, you know, the people who everyone would be going to for, for questioning would be the, the people with the authority to agree yes. that with me. You'd be asking those people, what were you doing giving this guy rent, a rent allowance of 3,000 euro a month? So that, you know, Delaney, in that instance, I have to say, got what he could. He played the game and he played it well, apparently, but 
Who's, you know, the treasurer of the association, Eddie Murray, the other board members? Who agreed this with him? Who gave him this? Who, you know, um, let's, let's have answers from them about why they made the decisions that they did. And there's a lot of questions along those lines that, uh, that need to be asked, but more importantly, need to be answered. And the question of why it wasn't accounted for in the annual accounts, which is another matter entirely. Sure. Just before we finish, I want to ask sure. you this. They say in life that two heads are better than one. And normally, Emmett, but when it comes to running the Football Association of Ireland or any big business, well, it would be a very unusual situation. Sure. Here we are today, Monday. Is there more to come? Do you see John Delaney being part of the Football Association of Ireland long term? Yeah, look, I, I I don't know the answer to that to be honest. Although I've learned um, I've learned uh, you know, over a long, long, long period of time that uh, you uh, you discount the guy's future at your peril. Um, he's uh, survived a lot of stuff beforehand, and I'm not entirely sure that these new arrangements don't suit him to uh, to a significant extent. Although he must be upset about the way you know that the news is broken and the way that he has you know it has been perceived as as an effort by the FAI to get him out of a key role. Um, at an embarrassing time for them. Um, his removal from the board is absolutely key to that. It was central to his grip on power. And I think over a longer period of time, I, I'm not saying necessarily, I'm certainly not saying suggesting the board will kind of turn on him now. Um, but I think over a period of time, and certainly as the board changed or whatever, um, you would expect his, you know, his, his influence to, uh, to lessen uh, somewhat, and that 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 you know leaves him vulnerable in a way that he really hasn't been before. Um, I think as for the kind of splitting of the role, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, famously, the association pays its chief executive very, very well, and uh, and on the normal circumstances, you would expect um, if they went to an open the open market with a salary of something like three hundred fifty thousand euro, you would expect them to be able to attract a, a, a candidates of of really really high caliber. I mean, you know. I mean, too many people knocking around in, in the business world who wouldn't want a job that, that, that pays that sort of money. But if you're coming to an organization like the FAI, even on pretty decent money, and you find that you're actually only running half the organization and you're, you know, and the half of the organization you're running isn't necessarily the more attractive half of the organization, and the guy who used to have the whole overarching job uh, all of the influence and still wields a lot of power is working in the next office and he doesn't report to you directly he reports to the board like you and so he's immediately a rival for power and you're not going to be able to do what you want with this organization necessarily because he you know by the very nature of these situations you go into an organization somebody else has been running for 15 years if you want to change things you should have a blank sheet of paper to do that but in fact you're going to get resistance because every change that you make is an implied criticism of the guy who went before you. So this is not an ideal situation for an organisation wanting to hire their most talented chief executive in the market. Watch this space for sure over the coming days, weeks and months. And read Emmett's uh, brilliant analysis of this in the Irish Times, in the paper and online today. Emmett Malone, football correspondent with the Irish Times. I'm very grateful. Thank you for joining me on Late Lunch. Thanks, Jerry. It's been a pleasure. From crisis at the FAI to happy days on the Meath GAA scene. Yes, the Royal County are up and we're talking about it next. Yes, that Husqvarna Open Day is this Saturday from 8 to 4 at Oliver Goff Sale and Hire on Flower Hill in Navin. It's a fabulous, fabulous shop and they have loads of special offers on the full range of Husqvarna automores, battery equipment and petrol machinery. And in conjunction with that big day next Saturday and what's happening there all this week, 
Oliver Goff have given us a fantastic batch of prizes for Late Lunch every day this week. So each day on Late Lunch, one of you can win a Husqvarna battery-powered hedge trimmer kit. It's worth almost 300, 300 euro, 295 to be precise. And at the end of the week, all the daily winners, Monday to Friday, will go into the hat and one of you then will win a robotic Husqvarna automower. It's fantastic. It really is. I actually saw one of these in operation at a school football pitch near where I live and I couldn't believe. You just put it down on the ground, program it, and away it goes and cuts your lawn for you. Isn't that just unbelievable? Well, there's one of those up for grabs at the end of the week here on Late Lunch. It's worth a thousand euro at least, depending on the size of your garden. Oliver Goff and the crew will go look at your garden and decide which one best suits you and it's worth a grand at least. So how do you win starting off this Monday, the first of those Husqvarna hedge trimmer kits worth €295. You have to answer a gardening question and there's going to be a gardening question each day for these wonderful prizes. So here's your question today. It's potato planting season at the moment, as most gardeners would know. And there are different types of potatoes you plant early in the season, mid-season and late season. They're known as first early potatoes, second early potatoes and main crop potatoes. Okay. So I'm going to give you three varieties of potato today, all right? And I want to know which of these varieties is the first early variety of potato. Which is the first early variety of potato? So here are your three spuds. Which of these? Pick one of them and text your answer or WhatsApp it to 086-1800-658. Here they are. British Queen, Cares Pink or Home Guard. Which of those is the first early potato, the earliest to be sown and the earliest that you'll have a crop from? British Queen, Cares Pink or Home Guard? Which of those? Text the correct answer, please, now to 086-1800-658 or you can send it to us by WhatsApp either, whichever way you wish, and we'll pick a winner for that fabulous prize today from Oliver Goff. It's a Husqvarna hedge trimmer worth €295. And remember, you're going into the hat as well at the end of the week for that brilliant, brilliant robotic Husqvarna automore. It's an absolute fabulous thing, I have to tell you. Well, just thinking about the weekend uh, and what happened to myself. We had a big birthday party the weekend. Yes, our Ava is, little Ava, my granddaughter, her birthday party was the weekend. She's four. Can you believe it? She's four this week. I'll be telling you more about that as the week goes on. Uh, The light of my eye, the apple of my eye. We had a great day. I want to say a big congratulations to our own Marie Cairns. Yes, Marie Cairns, our own Marie. You know Marie on the Michael Reed show? She had a big lotto win. A big lotto win at the weekend. So if you see Marie, give her a little uh, congratulations and she'll never know. Yes, she'll tell you the story herself. But it was a big surprise for her. She did the lotto on Saturday and won big, let me tell you, folks. And what about the football the weekend? We were talking about John Delaney there a few moments ago. What a, an awful game in Gibraltar, I have to say. Gibraltar and Ireland. Wasn't it one of the worst games of football you ever saw in your whole life? The only thing we could say we won it. Won it 1-0 and at least we got the three points. But it was a shocker. Now, I know it was windy and the pitch is a plastic old pitch. They're a difficult pitch to play on. But still, it was a shocking game. And then contrast that with what happened last evening in the game. Did you see the match between Holland and Germany on television last night? Oh, my word. What a game of football it was. It was one of the best games of soccer I saw in a long, long time. If you weren't watching it, the Germans, it was in Holland. The Germans went 2-0 up. The Dutch pulled it back to 2-2. 
And then, in the last minute of the game, the Germans popped up and scored the winning goal. Virtually, I have to say, in added time. What a cracking game of soccer it was. Now he's there. We've been looking for him. We've been hanging on for him. He's there. We have only a short few minutes with him, but he's on the line. Sean Boylan, good afternoon. And to you too, sir. How are you? I am very good. Sean, I want to tell you something. Did you realise this? You stepped down as Meath manager at the end of 2005, and the very next year, Meath went down from Division 1 until yesterday, Sean. What a great day. What a day. Yeah. What do you make of them, Sean? What do you make of this crop? Um, they're, They're just... They're as hungry as you could ever want to be to play football and want to play it at the top level. And um, there's an amazing camaraderie between them. There's a, you know, there's a will. There's a, there's a, they're just supportive of each other. And the finished article, you're, I suppose in sports, you're never the finished article. But um, there's nobody can convince them that they can't do it. And that's how, if you want to be competitive, you have to be. And that's the most beautiful thing about what this squad that Andy and the lads have put together. Um, some of them are there for a good while, but it can take a while before suddenly something clicks. Yes. And to get the opportunity to get back up into Division 1 and understand that when you get back up there, it only, be all, it only all begins again. But that's the challenge and that's what you just love to do. And like... It's you swear the county, you know, you swear Brexit was gone. You know what I mean? Like, the, oh, yeah. <laughs> like in '87, when we won the All Ireland, seventeen percent of the population unemployed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you think of it, three percent of the population of Meath were unemployed. Mm. We were the richest people in the world, mm. and we got the we got we got the lottery yesterday. Thanks for that, my. And John, so like going, Crow Park. yes, going forward, yes, you have the final now in Crow Park, which is a yeah. great day to look forward yeah. to and to, to try and win it outright. Now back to Division yeah. One next year, but yeah. this surely is a great fillip for them coming into the championship and to build on this ahead. Now that's true, and I, I. From what I would have seen, I've met of the lads, and there'd be no cockiness there. There'd be just a confidence, which is nice. Um, and there'd be days they get lads who are better than them, and how they cope against that, and how they they bring it round. They're the things that Andy and Don and Finno and Jerry Cunha. They're the things that they be sort of moulding for them. But like um, number one thing, sort of with Brian Menton there, just you know I mean like. A, Donald and a few more of those lads that have been around and Graham, lads around for a long time, have given everything. But look, it's only starting for them. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah, that's the thing, Sean. Oh, absolutely brilliant. And you know, you and saw it in your time as well. It takes a bit of time, as you said there, and there they are now in Division 1 with a final and the championship to come. Sean, I have to fly to news. I have to and leave have, it there. I have to say, what a great day for Loud yesterday. Yes, and I was just going to mention that. They'll have the big day next Saturday as well. What a winning down. And then next week, if they beat Westmead, they go to Division 2. So it could be win-win in the oh, northeast all oh, round, Sean. And, 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 and rightly so. Ah, oh, it's so. great. It's great. Sean, listen, I'll so let you back to your work there. Thanks so much. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye, Sean. Bye-bye. That's the great Sean Boyle in there. And isn't that some coincidence? He stepped down in 2005 and Meath were relegated the next year and back now in this year of 2019 to where many people obviously believe they belong. Late lunch, LMFM Radio, heading to news and weather. And next up on the show, we're going to be talking about bees. 
The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk. The March sales event is now on, offering no deposit and low APR finance across the Dacia range. Offer ends March 30th, so call into Blackstone Motors, Drogheda or Dundalk today to see how affordable buying a new Dacia is. At this stage, I'm sure there's no need to remind you the precarious position that our native Irish honeybee enjoys in this country. It's not good, but just not the native bees. Other bees, other insects as well, are all struggling. And it is key and fundamental to the future of mankind that this issue is addressed. I'm joined on Late Lunch today by a man you know well if you've listened to this show over the years. He taught me how to keep bees and he is just the most wonderful beekeeper you could ever meet. He comes from a dynasty of beekeepers and aren't we so lucky that we have him in County Loud just outside Dunlear. I want to welcome him back to Late Lunch after too long an absence Owen McGillicuddy, it's really great to see you again. Thanks Jerry, it's great Thank to be here Thank you again. for joining me. Now you were coming here, I'm going to tell this as this, Owen was coming in to make an appeal to Loud County Council who are debating a motion today it's called the All-Ireland Pollinator Plan and it's been put to each county council in the country. Owen, great news. We've just heard from Ruth O'Connell, Ruth from our news team, who's at the meeting that Loud County Council have adopted the All-Ireland Pollinator Plan. I'm sure that makes you happy. That's uh, excellent news. It's it's brilliant to hear that, uh, Jerry. Now, will you tell our listeners what this plan is about and why it's important that all councils adopt it? Well, basically, um, you know, it's not, it's not just bees that are in trouble. It's these pollinators, and this covers everything. Uh, bees, we have 100 species of bee in Ireland. Not just, the honeybee is actually in quite good shape in Ireland, uh, the, uh, the native Irish honeybee. But there's 99 other species of bee. We have butterflies, hoverflies, and all types of insects, and they're in dire trouble at the moment. Um, and uh, the All-Ireland Pollinator Plan is uh, it's kind of all these organisations, government um, organisations and non-governmental organisations in environmental groups have all come together and it's run by the National uh, Biodiversity Data Centre in Waterford and uh, basically it's just uh, the idea is to help uh, these pollinators out because we're at a crisis, absolute crisis at this stage because there was a report out just after January, a worldwide report, a, a long study and it showed that in the world we're losing about 1% of our insects per year. But the National Biodiversity uh, National Biodiversity Data Centre also brought out a report and a 10-year study and in Ireland the situation is actually much worse uh, despite our green image. We have the way it's going at the moment uh, we are losing 3.6% of our butterflies every year you know that means sorry 2.7% of our butterflies every year that means in 40 years our butterfly, if it contains our butterfly, will be gone. Will be totally gone. And just tell listeners why this is so important. Why this insect community is vital to mankind. Well, it's vital to mankind for basically all these pollinators involved in producing food. Uh, they pollinate a lot of our food. It requires pollination, not so much in Ireland now because a lot of the food we eat, uh, you know, we import a lot of stuff that is pollinated. But but there is crops like oilseed rape and field beans that uh, you know really depend on pollination. But not only that, it's um, our wildflowers dependent, and you kind of a lot of people kind of take for granted this whole biodiversity. I mean, you kind of ask yourself, where do we get our air? Where do we get our water? Where does our soil come from? It all comes from nature, and so it's all. If you start disrupting one part of that cycle, especially, and the pollinators play a huge role in that because a lot of plants just can't reproduce without pollinators. But I, I just mentioned another alarming fact is in Ireland, uh, we're losing 3.6% of our bumblebees a year. That means in 30 years, no more bumblebees. There won't bees. be a bumble, and I saw beautiful, them. Those beautiful 
Oh, I Creatures, saw them the weekend yeah. owned several of them. They're coming yeah. out with a little bit of heat and they are beautiful, beautiful creatures. So, as well, the other thing to mention are fruit trees. All the fruit trees in this country that require pollination. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, we don't grow as much fruit as we used to, unfortunately. Mm. I don't know why we, do, we, we, do, we don't because, you know, we're great climate for growing a lot of fruit. But, yeah, they depend, they depend on pollinators as well, you know. Mm. Um, so, there's a lot. But it's... Um, and, you know, it is a serious situation, you know. Uh, I mean, even even taking out the economic view and the benefits, play, I mean, to, to lose these, like, these native species, which we've been in Ireland uh, since the Ice Age, basically longer than humans in Ireland, and, you know, they're part of our heritage. I'm alarmed to hear that about it. And we have that, we like to think we're the green uh, country on, on the fringe of Europe, but what you tell me today flies in the face of that. Now, here's the thing. The adoption of this plan today by the council is good news because obviously council have a lot of areas they look after they look after green spaces trees shrubs etc they're going to allow those develop into a little more wilderness or wildness is it to the, the whole plan and this uh, and i advi- advise anybody listening if you have a little garden any type of garden if you're involved in tidy towns you're involved in community groups farmers uh go to the all ireland pollinator plan website i think it's pollinators.ie just google it and they have a free guide for every for gardeners and easy steps of what to do for county councils they have a special guide for county councils so there's 30 actions you can take and it's kind of step by step by step approach you, you don't change overnight you know you have to do it bit by bit but you know uh, as you said there's huge vast tracts of green areas in, in, in say County Loud uh, as well as County Mead uh, that are just mowed every year you know this is and during like a year like this where we have a good spring you're probably mowing from now all the way till September, once a week, you know. That's costing an absolute fortune to taxpayers, ratepayers, you know. Uh, and that money could be spent to, you know, enhance the environment uh, because, you know, these green areas, you know, I'm, I'm not talking where children are playing or football yes. fields. We're talking about areas that nobody's walking on mm. and, and they're just green, like there's nothing else. They're no good to, to anybody. Uh, and if they were just allowed to flower um, it, it would be magnificent for. And the years. big one to talk about is something that <laughs> I have to put my hand up as well. People who manicure lawns as well. You don't like to see dandelions in your lawn, but own the dandelion is actually a crucial. Uh, part of the ecosystem, isn't it, for these creatures? The dandelion is probably one of the most important flowers in the Irish ecosystem. We're just coming out of, now we had a very mild winter, but we had a very cold spell there and uh, all these pollinators, they hibernate, almost all of them hibernate for the winter and then all the females come out just just around now in the last couple of weeks, uh, bees and other um, pollinators um, and they have to feed. And one thing is the dandelion. And it is ter- even when I drove down here in the motorway, there was tractors out in the motorway mowing dandelions in full bloom, and they're a beautiful flower. They're, I mean, you know, they're a magnificent flower. And and this people see them as weeds, but you know, if you have a dandelion growing in your lettuce patch, that's a weed. But if yes. it's growing in the roadside, or it's growing in the corner, or if it's growing in your even on your lawn, they'll only be you'll have the mass bloom of dandelions for the next three or four weeks, and they provide huge amounts of nectar and pollen for these pollinating insects. So that's that's one thing everybody can do from today. Let your dandelions bloom. Yeah, but it's even as simple as just raising the height of the blades on your lawnmower. More. 
mow every second week rather than every week. Yes. Um, and uh, th- th- these are simple things to do, you know. What uh, else, Owen? What else can people do in a practical sense? Simple, if you have a, no matter what size of a front or back garden you have, what could you do to help? Flowers. Basically, this is the problem. Flowers. We don't have, we have only about 5% of the amount of wildflowers now that we had about 50 years ago. They're all gone. I mean, intensive farming has changed our landscape totally. So we kind of have to make up for that. So, you know, flowers. So now you have to be aware that a lot of the modern ornamental flowers are actually not much good for bees. They're useless for these creatures. Yeah, but, but there's lo- loads of things like uh, thyme and lavender, um, mint, marjoram. All those are absolutely fantastic. Butterfly bush. If you want butterflies in the garden, butterfly bush is really tough and hardy. It'll grow anywhere, any corner. Um, and uh, that's absolutely magnificent for butterflies. Uh, flowering headers, things like that. And, you know, and if you have a very big garden, you know, think about leaving just, um, you know, part of it, um, grow a bit in, into a kind of a, a hay meadow. Do you remember the hay meadows we used oh, to have? I remember them well, Owen. We don't, we don't, you don't see a hay meadow anymore, but they're absolutely fantastic for, for uh, pollinating So insects. let a piece of it grow and grow wild and leave it and enjoy it for what it is. I have to bring you back to the lavender and I'm going to put it in again. I had a lovely lavender uh, at the side of my front garden where I have some daffs and that. Well, Owen, I'll never forget the summer with the bees and creatures visiting that lavender. And it just kept flowering all through the summer. It's a beautiful sight to see. And, and the, the noise. Scent of and it. These, these are bees coming into your garden and they're just... Uh, and, and they're, you know, they, these bees are foraging, so they're no harm to you. They're not defensive, OK? Um, and they're there and they're gathering the nectar and they're going home and feeding their young with, with, with that food, you know? And it's a beautiful sight and a beautiful noise to hear during the summer. So you can find out more on that website again yeah, about yeah, what you can plant. All-Ireland Pollinator Plan, just Google it. Just yeah. Google that, All-Ireland Pollinator Plan, and you'll find much more there. But this is a serious matter, Owen. This is, and, and we congratulate Loud County Council, let me say, today. I often criticise and criticise political people, but well done today on this. And this is a very positive step. The hope is to have every county council, isn't it? It, it is. It is a great step. Now, um, you know, us beekeepers, we had actually uh, planned a kind of biodiversity initiative. So we actually didn't realise this was going ahead. I think it was uh, Marion Butler from the Green Party put it forward. She did. And it was great. So we actually only found about, out about it quite late. And But there's only about maybe, uh, loud is probably only the fifth or maybe sixth county council to adopt this. And some of them have uh, done some great work, like County Wexford have done. They've done a great thing with their roadside verges, where they've allowed flowers to develop and they've you know, just put up a sign saying this verge to tell people we're not leaving it just <laughs> yes. there. We're leaving this here for a reason. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, you know, there's a couple of other councils and they have these and and and, and they make the place look beautiful rather than just having, you know, green grass which you know that has stripes blank. on it and nothing else. Yeah, in yeah, it at yeah. All. yeah. I mean, uh, you have the, all these colourful uh, plants in, in bloom. Yeah. You know? So that's the message today. We can all help. Leave the dandelions alone. Raise your blades on your moor. Don't cut every single week. Plant. So get these plants into yeah. your garden, into your patches and encourage. And by doing this, if we all do our little bit, we can turn the tide here. Yeah, hopefully. Oh. I mean, it's a difficult one because, you know, uh, it's, it's... But, you know... Everybody can only do what they can do, like yeah. you know, and hopefully then if public are become more involved, then you know the more governmental organisations will listen, and, and a lot of it is just policy 
policy making has to be changed yes. as well to, to, to back that yes. up. Yes, you know? absolutely. I have something here for you. Well, um, what is the plan uh, that has been adopted by the council uh, today? Uh, what can we uh, do for butterflies? Uh, are seed bombs any good? You know, these seed bomb things. Uh, yeah, well, a seed bomb is... Bee kinda, seed bombs. Yeah, they're kind of... Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know much about them, but there's basically you have seeds, wildflower seeds being wrapped up and uh, often it's actually used in this kind of guerrilla gardening where you have derelict sites and people will, yeah. will put, put it in there. But but anything, and, and you can grow flower, wildflowers anywhere, in any little patch or corner. Okay, and know? butterflies love those. What, sorry, there was three questions there. What would you, can we plant for butterflies? Well, well, if wildflowers? You want, uh, wildflowers, uh, the butterfly bush, if you really butterfly want. Butterfly bush, if you and, want to encourage yeah, them. Yeah, but Lady Vidya is called, it's absolutely, uh, you know, uh, yeah. and, and you will, it's a beautiful site. You'll have like dozens of butterflies. On They'll this. come to that and, little and, and this is a plant that grows quite big, but every year you cut it right down you can be really harsh with it and it sprouts up and you have these big long and you get different colours probably some of them are quite um, dark blues but the ones that are probably better for bees are probably more lighter pinks yeah and the plan means uh, just I'll answer that Uh, it's come in by WhatsApp a question there to us it means that the council now Loud County Council are going to look at their uh, common areas that they have along roadways you know waste track land and all that and they're going to allow it grow a little wilder this is the plan hopefully they will now this is only to start they will yes. follow they have basically they go to uh, the all iron polliner plan and they have uh, it all set down there are different actions they can take and hopefully they will and it's a bit by bit and hopefully they'll adopt as many of these as possible mm. and it'll, over over time they will in, increase and then you know as the public gets and, and one of the most important things is education communication because you know a lot of people you know we have this image of uh, when you see a lot of wildflowers, dandelions, whenever you see it's untidy and even dirty, mm. you know, we have to get to this idea that nature doesn't work in straight lines. No, it's, it doesn't. It's chaotic. <laughs> it is. And, uh, you know, it, it, it takes a while just to, you know, to get into the mindset of accepting that, that you know, that yeah. you have all these different coloured, riot of different coloured flowers is better than having just uh, Absolutely. Just a quick one before you go. This man has over 200 beehives that he looks after and he's just come from them and he's away back to them now today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready get 30, ready get 20 20, 20 ready get 20 20, ready get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Last year, sensational. Could it happen again? Uh, it's hard to know. It's very really yeah. early. Last year was unbelievable. We had an absolutely terrible spring last year, but then suddenly, I've never seen the like, it turned around very quickly. This year, we've had a very mild winter mm. and a good spring, and the bees are looking very well at the moment. Okay, so fingers crossed. If you got a, a summer like last, I'd say you'd bomb all the records out of the book, would you, this year? Yeah, yeah, quite possibly, yeah. Please, yeah. God, it will. Anyway, wish you well with the beekeeping season. And come on, folks, let's all do our little bit. And again, today, well done to Loud County Council on adopting the All-Ireland Pollinator Plan. For the moment, Owen McGillicuddy, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. I think you better get your coat and run. Why? Marie Kearns isn't very happy. Marie Kearns isn't happy with me? No, oh, no. You told sure everybody I about her lotto Marie win. Cairns. What? You told everybody about her lotto win. And she had a lotto win. But it wasn't massive. <laughs> It was only very small. <laughs> oh, and now sorry, the whole Marie. country is sending her begging oh. letters. Her <laughs> phone is burning up. They're all inviting her out for lunch and dinner and but they're all expecting her to pay. No, about the woman. She's very hospitable. She'll look after you. She's I very, very you. kind. Anyway, okay. she won't go far with a lot of wind. She'll go a little bit, but she won't go mad far. She might be able to afford a taxi home. She'll be able to afford a few taxis home, let me tell you. It's a nice win, but it wasn't a substantial win of any, you know, magnitude. She hasn't won the lotto. It was one of the lesser prizes she picked up. But people have put two and three together and got seven. You know, that type of way. But sure, anybody, even three life. euro, like, yeah. your eyes light up, don't you? It's like, woo! <laughs> Annie Marie, congratulations on your win. It's not life-changing, let me say. And um, see you after the show. <laughs> Expect a box of chocolates in the canteen. A box. Not a, what did you say? Chocolates, was it? Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. There you go, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, from a, a bit of mirth and fun to something really, really shocking and serious. Where did you see this story you've been telling me about since late morning? Yeah, it's um, a terrible story that's on social media at the minute about um, a girl from Drogheda who found, um, apparently, the... the the photos are terrible, they're very graphic, um, of a dog, a dog, a dead a dead dog that had been thrown out in a bag of rubbish and left on a football pitch in Drogheda. I think you know the pitch, Sherry. I know it well because my son played there many moons ago with Mellifont Celtic, I think they were called. It's uh, Ashfield on the North Road in Drogheda and Mellifont Park, they're beside one another there. And it's somewhere in that vicinity near the little football pitch that was there. It is horrendous. This has shocked me, to be honest with you. It a bag of desperate. rubbish and there's a poor crater, a poor dog, a dead dog in the bag as well. And it, it looks to be one. sinister, doesn't it? It's a bit, when it uh, yeah, the lady said, you know, whatever way the, the dog's neck was that it, it, it didn't die. It looked that it didn't die of natural causes. But it's, even if it did, it just shouldn't be thrown out with the rubbish. Not, it Especially not. in a pitch that do kids play in it? Yeah, well, I'm not sure whether they still, but it's a quite a, a, a busy area there. People pass by, you know. They reckon it's a dog maybe just under one years of age, medium size, possibly a German shepherd mix there. Oh, my God, who did this? 
or who would stoop to the depravity of, of mm. doing this to kill the animal we take it well, well maybe jumping to conclusions there but the animal's dead anyway put it in a bag of rubbish and throw it along an area where people throwing, uh, it, throwing out rubbish is bad enough but to, you know discard a dog it alongside really it really is just oh I don't know the longer I live there's no excuse there's none is there for no that? there really is no anybody know anything about that um, I know it's been reported to Loud County Council Drogheda between Ashfield and Mellifon Park a bag of rubbish with a dog in it who would do anything? If you know anything about it, contact the Gardaí or contact Loud County. Let somebody know and let's see if we can find out who is behind this shocking, shocking act, really, with the poor dog and, and leaving it as it is there along the side of the road where people pass by day in, day out. Everybody, children, folks, it shouldn't, it just shouldn't happen. It really shouldn't. The dog, if the dog has died, it should be looked after in a certain fashion. And dumping rubbish again. Here we are, back to this one once more. My God, uh, Louise, they really want this hedge cutter from from Oliver Goff, don't they? <laughs> They're flying in. And then that Husqvarna more at the end of the week that cuts the grass for you. I will repeat the question once more if you want to be in the draw for the hedge cutter today and the more at the end of the week. My question is this, if you're into your garden and planting potatoes, there are three types of potato. There's a first early potato a main crop and uh, the third one is a second early sorry first early second early main crop which of these is the first early variety of potato British Queen Cares Pink or Home Guard answers by WhatsApp or text 086 1800 658 for Monday's prize and if you win today you're in the hat for the more on Friday worth at least a thousand euro what a, a prize from Oliver Goffson check him out big sale coming up this coming weekend my next guest previously on a couple of occasions here on Late Lunch and he's a brilliant man he's an intellectual property and business development consultant he's worked with so many people with business ideas to bring them to fruition and he's back with me today to reflect on a number of successes we've had here in the North East. It's great to see you again, Liam Burkett. You're welcome to the show. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you for joining me once more. Let's get straight into this and remind people about some of the great stories here uh, from the North East that are thriving as businesses now and started with the kernel of an idea. Tell me about Rat Flap, and a lot of people yeah. will be interested in this, Liam. Yeah. Well, a lot of people have rats coming into yes. their sewers and into their drains. And this is a very simple invention. But again, and the purpose of the whole exercise is to explain that simplicity is not a barrier to invention. So all the listeners who are out there who are saying, I should have, I must. I'm saying, stop saying it and do something about it. In the rat flap thing, this was just an ordinary person who came up with this idea. He was able to patent it. He was able to register it as a trademark rat flap not descriptive but has a covert reference to it and that has been a huge success for him here in Ireland and its simplicity is that any individual you don't have to be a plumber to put this in idiots like you and me Jerry. thank you because can, I am when it comes to this Liam. can lean out and buy one of these small units put it in the drain and it will stop rats from coming in and the thing has been so successful in Ireland that he's now doing uh, deals with people who are going to be his distributors in the United States and another one in Canada a very simple exercise in just Doing something that seems like a very simple idea, but what you're doing is you're over overcoming a known problem. And this has been done by one of your listeners. So here's the thing. If you have something on your mind today, you're saying quite categorically, don't dismiss it. Don't leave it on the shelf or on the back burner. No. 
bring it forward. Yeah, and the beauty of it is right here on your doorstep, you have the local enterprise office. Yes. And they have business advisors there who will hold your hand. And the team is headed up by Joe, Joe English, but there's Lorna Cooney, Cara O'Dayda and Neil Gallagher. And they're all there and they will take your idea and help you along to bring it to fruition. And some of the business will be sent to people that are mentors for the organisation. I happen to be one of those. I have helped some of those. But the thing about it is the local enterprise office is only on your doorstep. And there's no excuse for saying, oh, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. They are there to hold your hand. For instance, there's another case where there was a lady that I worked with and her name is Susan Rowland. And she had um, a, a, a little business going, but her name was the Mini Music Club. Now, you cannot protect Mini Music Club because that's descriptive. So I said to her, you've got to think of branding, something that you can register as a trademark. And she came up with Singaling. Now Singaling is the business. And the beauty about it is she teaches singing, but she also teaches how to play instruments. So her slogan is songs with strings attached. And you can register that as a trademark. And that has been very successful. And then within that, she has different age groups that she helps. And they are branded. So there's robins and bluebirds and songbirds and little rockers. All of these can be protected by way of trademark. Okay, brilliant, brilliant again. I know a couple of these we're going to talk about now because we've met them here and you introduced actually a couple of them to us. Heaties. Yeah, well, Heaties has been a hugely successful uh, heating system that will reduce your uh, energy bills by 80%. And it was originally oil-based. Now it has been accredited as a gas appliance as well. So we're now uh, being told that he's getting approaches from big houses, hotels, swimming pools, schools, because this is... The advance and with now I just heard it on the radio that there's a new tax going to be put on fossil fuels. So you want to reduce your oil bill. Here is somebody who can reduce it by 80 percent. And on top of that, he has a radiator system that can be wall mounted or can go behind the wall. And again, it's it's an aesthetic thing. But again, he is somebody that's been on your doorstep. And you again, and before I leave, uh, you can put up on your website all of the email addresses for these people. Yes, absolutely. And they can go and they can have a look at the thing mm. working. And this was a guy who was working in this area. And one day the penny dropped with him, L- like you talk about there, yeah. how something just comes to you. And he's developed a marvellous business out of this now. Now, what about GlobalPod? GlobalPod, again, was a school teacher. Yeah. And he has come up with this idea where one of these things that you put on your head and you can see and every history examination question you can go to the hill of Tara and see it before your very eyes you can turn your head you can go into the dungeon and all the time it is flicking up stories about the school and about the curriculum and it's a fun thing for children to learn whatever it is and that can go all over the bloody place and that's Mark Baldwin who we met on late lunch as well another great guy who's yes. thriving with this yes. and and an idea that came from his classroom as well now ready steady code Seamus O'Neill great man yeah. I want to say hello to him today. There's another fella in the education sphere has hit on something special. Yes. yes. And this Ready Steady Code is something that uh, he, he is an evangelist for this business, really. And he has had very great success with um, 
all over Ireland with the National Scratch training event which was in Navan in 2016 and that was followed up in 2017 and now he's going to have the third National Scratch Conference in Kells Tech Hub in June of this month and Meath again Leo Enterprise Board has been uh, supportive of that but again that's uh, we had a minister that says he wants to get computer literacy into the schools. Here is a ready-made fun way of doing that. Just go on and look at readysteadycode.ie and it's all there for everybody. And children are coding. We know that they're starting at a very young age as well and it's something that Seamus has really focused in on there and done so well. And one more on the education one. Uh, Joe McCormick is a solution books. Yep. And he is a teacher that has produced these books for um, schools, for um, junior and higher maths, leaving ordinary maths and leaving higher maths. And that was again something that he was producing as books. But then we branded it and now they are ACE solution books. Yes. And if you look at them, they are the four ACEs and you will see that as an imagery. And when you see one, it has one ACE, then the second ACE, then the third ACE, depending on which group you're going into. And he has this subject now where all subjects containing about 200 pages of examination papers and study and advice on it. And he, again, is somebody who who was a school teacher. He saw a problem. He saw you've got to help the students to overcome this and lo and behold he has done it with his ACE solutions. Now it was shocked in the Gaelga recently and related to this uh, is another business that you know but I'm not too familiar about. It's called Sing Fanaic. Yeah. This is uh, another person who has Sing it's www.singfanaic.ie stroke pilot and it's a comprehensive pre-reading and pre-spelling Irish phonetics program. So it is teaching children how to learn Irish, but in a sing-song way. Yes. And in it, he has different characters. There's Freddie Fennec and Frieda Fennec. And they are there to teach the children how to sing. And he has recordings of school children actually singing all of the stuff. So subliminally, they're taking it they're on They're learning board. it, Liam. Yeah, because it's just a sing-song yes. thing. I learned in school... Um, with ask, command, advice and strive, with us, translate the infinitive. I don't know what the hell it means, but I've remembered it a hundred years later. <laughs> All your life. Tell me this one, and, and, and we don't have a name of this. You're working with a client who's invented a safety grill and it's in the process of gaining its patent. A safety grill for what, Liam? This is for shops and uh, uh, hotels, a- anywhere that you need to have a grill. Security. A security. And that uh, is still under wraps because it's in the process of being patented. And before we can actually talk about it in full, all that we're saying is it exists. And if you have one of these problems, the solution is near at hand. And you're mighty impressed with this, I know, aren't you? There's something special here. You really feel that somebody ought to hear a real winner. Yes, and this is a John citizen that you would say, this is the sort of person we need to support because there's a eureka moment in this and he has found it. And that's the beauty of this. And this is for your listeners. And that's why I have two books that we're going to give away free, one for every day in the week. All that they have to do is remember some of the cases that we're speaking about. And they will get these very easy to read books that will tell them, one, how to go about branding and two, how to be an inventor. And everybody is an inventor.
So you believe that is within us all, that sometime, even though we mightn't think, as you mentioned to me about the, the, the rat flap there, don't let me near that because I'll yeah. probably mess it up. No, I wouldn't. It's so simple to use. But within all of us, yeah. man, woman, child, there's this ability is there that to see something. Well, if an idiot like me can do it, <laughs> I mean, one of my inventions was a blank jigsaw puzzle. And I was able to protect a blank jigsaw puzzle and I branded it. And the blank jigsaw puzzle was that you draw, U-D-R-R, you draw jigsaw. You do the drawing on it, you wipe it out and you do another one. And that was something that was patentable. So it was the registration of the trademark and the patenting of it. And what would you expect to do with a you draw jigsaw? You do the goddamn draw. <laughs> this one dismisses himself all the time. This is a very intelligent man. He's invented, he works with inventors and he can help you too. We're taking a short break. Gleam's back with us afterwards. We have a couple of his books to give away and more to talk about. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Question there, can we contact Liam directly, uh, Jerry? Yeah, sure. Is that, would you, could you give out your details? I think that's somebody, there's two of them there actually. They may have a, a, something okay. they want to talk to you about. What's right. your contact? Well, my email address is my surname, Burkett, B-I-R-K-E-T-T, at aircom.net. Just as simple as that. And no. my mobile number is 87 OK, great. So you can get Burkett at aircom.net is the email or that number there, 87 0023 is that it yeah and we have those contact numbers off 1850 715958 before we come back to another couple of companies you wanted to mention with local connections you're off to China yeah I'm going off to China with a client and we're launching introducing three new whiskey labels out there and the beauty of this is that there's uh, there's an Irish story behind each one of the labels and the beauty of that is that you see whiskey is whiskey but it's the story that people buy into. And um, when I can reveal it, I'll come back and, and show you them, tell you the whole story. But it's the sexiness of the story that people look at and they say, jeepers, I'm going to taste this. Because really and truly, you can tell a person what they're going to taste. Mm. The same as if I gave you a cup, I can, t- I can say to you, feel how heavy that is. Mm. When, you, when you feel it in your hand, you say, oh, yeah, it's heavy. Because I've told you it's heavy. Yes. And I can do the very same in reverse and say, feel how light that is. So in all of this, that's what sales and marketing is about, is really convincing the person of what they're going to experience, then giving them the the experience and then telling them what they've just experienced. You and you and I fall for that all the time. <laughs> it's interesting. There is a psychology in what you say there and the way you put the statement to me influences yes. the way I think as well. Jerry, I, I worked for, uh, for three or four weeks in a shop in Moore Street when I was responsible with others for the launch of Mason VG in this. But I, I had the greatest conversion from counter service to self-service and self-service supermarket. But I'd never worked behind a counter in my life. So I asked to be seconded. And they seconded me to a shop in Moore Street. And the little old ones would come in. And I remember saying to one... So, would you like a few hand-picked eggs? Oh, give us a half a dozen. I'd pick them up by hand, put them into the bag and send them out. And I thought to myself, that's great, that's a contract. Second and third week they were coming in. Where's the little fair? Jeez, the taste of them hand-picked eggs is gorgeous. Because <laughs> they were hand-picked eggs. I, I sold it. more eggs than anybody else in the store. <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it? It's because that's what sales and marketing is about. And that's what I bring to the party when I'm dealing with my clients. Because I've been there and done that. You know, 
And China, I was just going to come back and yeah. say, a, a huge market, an Irish whiskey, there's huge potential in the world, isn't sure. it? Unbelievable. And the thing about it was, uh, about 30 years ago, before Tiananmen Square, I was employed by the People's Republic of China to go out there. And I've been out to China about 11 times. I've been in 150 factories. I've given sales talks and seminars out there. And... A slight aside to this, my father, when he was a young man, was in the British Navy and he was posted to China. And he was in a place that he told me about as a baby, we, I, we. And a hundred years later, I was out there in a place called Hui Hai. And on the island, uh, there was a museum to the sailors. And coming back on from the, on the boat, I said, what's the name of the island? I said, Wei. It was Hui Hai Wei that he had mispronounced as We I We. So a hundred years later, I was able to go to the same place that my father had been. Oh my God, isn't that absolutely brilliant? Um, I want to just mention quickly before we finish two other businesses that you've been involved in. And I've actually uh, certainly spoke to one of them on this show, K9 Connect- Connectables yep. and James McElvena. Yeah, I mean, they're terrific things. It's like a rubber bone and the rubber bone has interconnection pieces and inside the, the bone there are treats for the dog and the dog has to disassemble this thing, which they're able to do. And it shows them how to be active. It cleans their teeth. It helps them to be um, manipulative. And it's a fantastic thing. And again, it's just K9, the, the letter K, the numeral nine and connectables because they're interconnected. And the dogs get great fun out of this. And you can throw them around. The dog will exercise, but it will also exercise its brain trying to open the thing. It's brilliant, I have to say. And last but not least, Goal Guard by Ron- Robert Giles. This yeah. is interesting, isn't it, for sports clubs? Yep, yeah, this is the, the area on a pitch that gets the most uh, wear and tear is at the goal. And this man has developed this goal guard. And it's a goal guard, it's the gold standard in gold mouth protection. That's the slogan. And this is available now and he has sold it and it's been in, for instance, the GAA Park in Parnell Park and in soccer places. And it just protects the gold. One other one that we should mention is VIP Laser Creations. And this is a wooden wedding invitation. And this man is able to laser cut wooden wedding invitations. And one interesting thing of this, uh, an Indian contact of mine has told me that there's a billion dollar business, a billion dollar business there because for Indian weddings, they can be five days events and the groom sends out invitations to his group and the bride sends it out to there. So there's a ton of uh, invitations to be done over five days. And all we've been talking about are all people from this neck of the woods you're out there listening today. Lots of ordinary people, as Liam said, who've come up with great ideas and created brilliant businesses with them. Now, Liam has written a number of books, but he's brought a couple of his brilliant publications with us today. The two books are what? One is on how to trademark your product yes. and the other one is how to protect your invention. And we want to give some of you the chance to win these books free gratis from Liam this afternoon. I'm going to ask one question, make it simple. We were talking about something a minute ago, K9 Connectables. Yes. What would you do if you acquired a K9 Connectable? Who is it for? 
That, what's, the, what's the answer to that? Who are we talking about? Who's the canine connectable for? What creature is it for? Answers to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text and we'll pick winners before the end of the show. Liam, thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Good luck in China. And good luck to the local enterprise office who back all of these Who things. are doing a brilliant, brilliant job. Tomorrow is International Epilepsy Awareness Day and ahead of the day, I'm joined by two local moms who both have children who live with epilepsy. I'm delighted to welcome two late lunch this afternoon, Fanula Muldoon Corbett and Linda Burke. They're both with me in studio. Ladies, you're very welcome to the Thank show. You. Thank, Thank you, you for Thanks joining for me. If I could start first and ask this question to you, Linda, just for listeners today, what is epilepsy? So, Jerry, epilepsy is actually it's a neurological disorder um, and which affects the brain. In Ireland, it's about 40,000 people living with epilepsy and half of the cases, there's kind of no known cause. Um, a seizure happens basically when the ordinary brain activity is suddenly disrupted. And it can be like an eternal, like an, kind of an electrical storm in the brain. And is this something that you're born with or can it also develop during your lifetime? Um, it's something that can develop. Um, in my own situation, my son Charlie has an acquired brain injury and it was actually six years later that he developed epilepsy. But this wouldn't be uncommon that this could happen. OK, so it can happen at any stage yeah. in anybody's life. That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. No. I've seen somebody take a seizure, uh, thankfully n- not that often in my life, but I have been there when somebody has. And I have to say, Fanula, it's a frightening scenario. Yeah, oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it can be terrifying to see someone have a seizure. Um, so the first thing you've got to do is make sure that the area around them is safe in order to uh, ensure that when they're having their seizure that they don't injure themselves. Um, also, you need to obviously shout for help unless you're on your own. If you're on your own, you can put your phone on speaker and phone for an ambulance. You need to stay with the patient and also time the seizure that's vital as well and do you do anything you know the way when somebody has a heart attack or something you know we know what to do if you've done the first aid of that you go through the steps is there anything in particular you need to do the only thing you could really do is cushion their head in order to try and prevent them injuring their their, their skull and also um, sort of if, if they're in a position where they're having the seizure let them have their seizure in that position but also you must ensure that their airways are clear mm. you know obviously like it's sort of common sense would yes. at that point and, and, and what way does it present itself at times? Do people just collapse? Do they fall back? Do their eyes roll? What? Do they start shaking? There's a number of ways that people could have um, that could present themselves. There could be like an absence seizure, which would be like where somebody would just sort of stare into the into the mm. like it looks like as if they're just daydreaming. But that could actually be a seizure. Also fidgeting, a repetitive fidgeting um, or just literally drop to the ground and be fine again within a couple of minutes or drop to the, the ground and have a full tonic-clonic seizure where they would literally stop, you know, it, it, like almost lo- lose consciousness. Yes. It's a generalised seizure, so you could lose consciousness and shake and uh, that could go on for a number of minutes. Okay, so there are a number of ways this can actually present itself yeah, with people. Absolutely. Now, you both have children and I'm, I'm going to come back in, in a moment to Lillian, but Fanula, in your case... Mm-hmm. Tell us about uh, your daughter, Hannah. She's 10 years of age now, yeah? Yeah, she's 10. She uh, was born with, um, it's a thing called skids and clefilae. So she has um, clefts and um, splits in her brain. And uh, she's um, got a cyst at the base of her brain as well, um, which presses on her optic nerves. So she's got vision impairment. Um, And she has um, hydrocephalus. So she has a shunt which drains fluid from her brain. And then she also developed epilepsy when she was one. 
Oh my, so she has all those things to contend yeah. with. Mm-hmm. How is she doing developmentally, school-wise? She's amazing. She's actually really, really good. She's a very upbeat little bubbly child and she does really well. She's walking and talking and doing all the bits that she needs to do. Um, she's um, She has got some learning difficulties and she has an SNA who is marvellous and uh, the school are absolutely outstanding. They're so good to her. Mm. Um, so, I mean, she, and she has resource teachers who are fantastic too. So she's getting as much help and intervention as she possibly can and she's doing really well. So. Isn't that great to hear yeah. because so many times we hear this and the resources yeah. are not there and we have to say it's yeah, they both your children go to Canistown National yeah. School yeah. a fantastic school yeah we couldn't like absolutely praise them enough they've embraced both Hannah and Charlie's epilepsy um, and you know again like that as our mothers I guess our priority is to really create awareness um, just to you know explain to people about what epilepsy is all about you know, in terms of support structures, Epilepsy Ireland have just been superb. Mary in our region has just been, I mean, they've listened to us. They're there. They have our backs all the time because, you know, you get this diagnosis. You have to, you have to educate yourself. You need to put emergency plans in place and they're just a su- absolutely incredible support. So we would encourage and I'd say to other families as well, if you've got a child recently diagnosed or a person diagnosed with epilepsy, do reach out to Epilepsy Ireland um, and use them as a support. They're superb. They actually have a brilliant seminar now coming up this weekend, uh, Saturday the 30th. Um, again, like that, I'd encourage any parents if they want. It's about supporting families to manage epilepsy. And where is that on? That's in the City North Hotel, which I believe is in Gormanstown. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. just uh, only up the road here on the motorway. It's very easy to access as well. And more information from Epilepsy Ireland, is it on that one? That's right. Or collect, or contact Mary Baker is the lady. Is the, the, is the contact? there. Come back to Charlie for me. What way does his uh, issues present? Again, like that, yeah, Charlie can have his, you know, what you're really trying to do is control epilepsy and seizures by taking medication. Um, and this has been pretty successful, but unfortunately not, he's not completely seizure free just yet. He recently had a, um, a, a full tonic-clonic seizure in school. Um, again, the emergency plan was put in place. The school were absolutely fantastic. It was their quick intervention. They were completely on the ball and they had him safe and just, uh, they were absolutely fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's never, as we said, a nice thing to see, um, but they just, they were absolutely brilliant. Okay, and yeah. everyone was on board and everyone knows in both your cases. Okay. Is there a pattern to this or is, is there any way of predicting Unfortunately, I know in Charlie's case, there's not, there doesn't seem to be any, you know, some people, there are specific triggers yeah. or situations. Um, in Charlie's case, that doesn't, that hasn't really come to any pattern at this point. Okay, yeah. so you just never know. What about you, Fanula? The same know. thing? No, uh, Hannah had a seizure on the 26th of February and uh, she was absolutely perfectly fine, chatting away to me one minute and the next minute she's having a full seizure in hospital overnight and, and obviously because of her um, other things that are at play, there's she would have extra... Um, There'd be more, you know, uh, more precautions put in place in relation to her um, going to visit hospital and get mm. CT scans and stuff. So, um, so she was uh, stayed overnight in hospital. And same with Stevens this morning, found her in, in bed having a seizure. So this is just part and parcel of, of life, life with yeah. a child yeah. or anybody who who lives with this as well. Yeah. Do they do they grow out of this, or is this something that they'll have with them always? You can grow out of epilepsy. okay. Some do, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be the case with Hannah because she has a very irregular shaped brain. But mm. um, 
in saying that certainly there is uh, there's medication that can keep epilepsy well under control yeah. and people can live full lives and happy lives and have functioning jobs and going to school and going to college and living independent lives with epilepsy and that is to be absolutely encouraged. It's just to have people around them maybe just a bit more aware to have a bit more um, knowledge in relation, what, in relation to what to do in the event that something does happen, not to panic and try and, you know, fix the Yes, and that's that's the message we want to get across today Mm -hmm. to people and that awareness is crucial. In your case as well, uh, Linda, with Charlie, no particular pattern. You're never sure when... It's unfortunately that is that that is a hard part, and I, you know, for so many people living with long term illnesses, yeah, it is just the unknown. Um, as I said, you can never just get completely complacent. Of course, yeah, it keeps you on your toes. Yes, and 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 no long term damage. You know, when they go through something like this, you deal with it at the time and emerge the other side. Is that the way it works? It can be incredible, you know. Um, and the children and children are so resilient and they're amazing and they can go through and, you know, yeah, they're, yeah, majority of the cases they can come to. Yes, they come deal with the issue and it passes on mm-hmm. and hopefully they go as long as they can of a space until the next one or that they diminish it altogether. Yeah, absolutely. There is emergency medication that you can take in many cases for people who have epilepsy. So um, usually uh, there is uh, oral medication that can be given to try and uh, alleviate the spasms and make people sort of um, uh, come out of their seizure um, not everybody can take them uh, Hannah couldn't for a number of years and she's only back into um, being prescribed them now so um, like there is uh, ways and means of dealing with the seizure and of course once you ring the ambulance services they're you know fantastic yeah and, they absolutely yeah. know what to do and it's all it's not always necessary to ring an ambulance for mm. some people some people if you knew them very well and they said look I come out of my seizure within a minute or two well then you just have to respect that and listen to what they say and you know if you know them well that you can just deal with it in that way Awareness is what we're talking about today, telling people not to fret, understand, do what you have to do. And this is well manageable with uh, medication and with the proper care. Now, a few things we just want to mention before we finish up and players, your favourite song. And I'm going to tell them why in a moment. Well, we should be playing Finn, I know. But look, (laughs) anyway, we'll get back to that another day. Um, Tomorrow, Hill of Tara, 9.30 in the morning till 12.30 at Maguire's. What's happening? That's right. So we very kindly, um, well, we just suggested to Michael in the Hill of Tara recently that we would like to hold a coffee morning. They've completely embraced it. Um, both he and his team have been superb. So coffee morning tomorrow morning from 9.30 to 12.30. Um, everybody come in for their tea, their coffee, their scone and give a donation. And we also have a raffle. And again, thank you to all. Okay, Maguire's, the Hill of Towers to be beautiful tomorrow. The Mm -hmm. girls will be in Navin Shopping Centre this Saturday collecting for Epilepsy Ireland. She'll see their beautiful (laughs) shirts. And (laughs) Canistown National School are also getting involved. You've asked them to wear something purple tomorrow. Yeah. I'd say you're popular for that. Yeah, I'm sure the parents are very thankful. <laughs> just over the moon. And there's nothing in the shops at the minute, but no. you know what? Any effort is good. Well, our Louise has our purple on today, my producer. You have the beautiful purple shirts on yeah. as well. Epilepsy Ireland, International Epilepsy Day. I say they're absolutely beautiful. And so there's only one way to finish this chat today with purple. Purple rain Yay. from Thank the man you, himself, Jerry. Prince. Thank you both for joining me on the show. Wish you well with tomorrow. Thank you so much. Thanks, thanks a million. Thanks, so thanks a million. Right. See you for late lunch tomorrow, half one. It's Prince to say goodbye. I never meant to call you when you 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.